0: Because we're about to see a major, major. We started, we started seeing the fall off last week with Pastor Johnson's sermon. We're just going to see how, man, how folk ended up dying in the wilderness and really never made it to the promised land. Why God literally had to wait. Just, I don't know if you guys realize this stuff. Like when you read the Bible, this is cold blooded. The Lord was like, man, I got to just die. Just die. Did you hear that? I don't know. I'm not trying to scare anybody or make you feel bad. That's God had gotten to that place where he was like, I, I'm not gonna kill you, but I'll just let you die. I can't take you in. You just you just don't have the mindset for it. You just you don't have any faith. And if I take you in, I might kill you when you get there. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you 38 years, because they had they taken about two. Just, just die in the wilderness. I don't want that to be my testimony, guys. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're all going to have to die at some point, but I don't want to miss out. Here's the thing. I don't want to miss out on God's plan for my life. Oh, are you hearing me? There's some of you right now, You're you're dying because you're not really doing what God called you to do. Some of us don't even really even know why we're here. That's a scary reality that you can live your whole life and never reach God's destination for your life. God took you on a journey, and you never even got there? Oh, God, help us today. So let's look at the text today, and we're just going to see, man, how God has no respecter of persons in this matter. Numbers chapter 20 and verse 1. The Bible says, in the first month, the whole Israelite community, let me step down here, the whole Israelite uh, community arrived at the desert of what? Zen. Now, before there was sin. now there's Zen. It's... Kind of confusing, but it's a different place, actually. And they stayed at where, everybody? Kadesh is where we picked off last week, where they got to the promised land, and they saw giants, and they couldn't go in. There, now watch this. It's very critical. There, who died, y'all? Miriam Miriam died and was buried. All right, let's go on. Verse 2. Now, there was no water for the community. Sounds real familiar, right? We've heard that before. And the people gathered in opposition. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us in opposition to Moses and Aaron. This is the new international version of the Bible. Verse 3, they quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Pause. So what what they're saying is, is, well, never mind. I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you in a minute. Go on, go on. Verse 4, why did you, they're still talking to Moses now, why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and all our livestock should die here? All right. Verse five. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no heat. I'm sorry. It has no grain or figs. I thought I saw that in the text, man. Sorry. It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates. Now, their taste has gotten a little bit better now before they were just complaining about food and water. Now, now, they, now they don't have pomegranates. <laughs> and there is no water to drink. Uh-huh. Verse six. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly, now I love this, to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, amen, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord, verse 7, said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother, what's his name, everybody? Gather the assembly and how to do it? Together, all right? Speak, read this, everybody, read this together, speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, all right? So they and their livestock can drink. Let's keep reading, verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. Verse 10. And Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen! You rebels, (laughs) must we bring, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Now, if y'all just know what y'all read, y'all should shout. Verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. I'm telling you, Miriam died, Moses and Aaron getting put out. I mean, this thing is getting bad. It's getting real bad. The wilderness is, I'm telling you, the wilderness is unforgiving. Not many people make it out of there, including Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my God. the Bible goes on to say at that, this is Deuteronomy 3. Uh, Deuteronomy is a book where Moses basically gives his last sermon to the children of Israel just before he dies. So watch what he says as he's recollecting this experience. He says, at that time, I pleaded with the Lord. (laughs) Basically, please don't do this, God. (laughs) Come on, I've been with these people for now 120 years or 80. Come on. He says, let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan that fine hill country and Lebanon, verse 26. But because of you, talking to the people, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) This is, this is, if Moses can die in the wilderness. All right. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. (laughs) 27, go up to the top of Pisgah. This is a concession. And look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes. Since you are not going to cross the Jordan. Not going in. All right. So go to the next one for me. Uh, Let's pray. Father, teach us some stuff from this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Moses didn't get in. Miriam didn't get in. Aaron didn't get in. If anybody should have got in, they should have got in. They were the leaders leading everybody in. But I'm trying to tell y'all, please hear me on this. If you're in the wilderness experience, the wilderness experience, most folks don't make it out of there. People that start the wilderness journey often don't make it out of the wilderness journey. And I'm not uh, I'm not going to suggest that God is trying to weed people out. Don't, 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 don't have that in your mind, that God doesn't want certain people to get in. That's not the case at all. It's just that God understands the kind of conditions, listen very carefully, that we need to be in before he can take us where he wants to take us. And for many of us, we we want some stuff that God's promised, we just don't want to go through the process. Let me say it even better than that. We don't want to become the people that God wants us to be to get into the place where God's trying to take us. See, for many of us, we're just trying to get to destination, but God is more concerned about transformation. No, listen, listen, listen. Character over destination all day. What kind of person are you? No, listen, listen, God. What kind of person are you? Are you, do you have the kind of character that warrants going to the next level? Do you have the kind of character that warrants. I read writing stuff to Christ one time. Ellen White says, she says, if God were to let some of us go to heaven in our current condition, we would be miserable. Well yes. Yes. Some of you are kind of feeling like, well, he's going to change me. No, he's not. He'll change your body. But the character will not change. Your love for Jesus Christ, is he's not going to wave a wand over you When you get to heaven and you're just going to be in love with Jesus. Guys, we're in preparation territory right now. The fact that you're alive and that you're still in the process is something to be very thankful for. I thank God all the time I come into this building because I know that this is just a step to where God's taking me. And it's really and to get into complaining mode in the process is disadvantageous to where God's taking you, because this is necessary for you to become who God wants you to become. Are, are you un, are you are you are you working with that? Are you tracking that every experience that you've been through, especially, especially the ones where you've been hurt, especially where, the ones where, where you've been without money, especially when you've lost some stuff, especially when you're depressed, especially when, when when you got fired, in a divorce, whatever your wilderness experience is, man, that thing is critical to where you're going next, which tells me there's always a next There's always a next after the wilderness. But many of us, all we can see is wilderness and don't realize that this is simply a passing point to go where God's taking us. But he's really testing us to see if we have the mentality to go where he's going. You wouldn't even be in the wilderness if you had the mentality. The reason why you're in the wilderness is because you don't have the mentality and the mentality and the wilderness is trying to teach you the mentality. Are y'all listening to me? Critical that we go through. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I've seen it all the time, especially with these athletes. You know, these athletes, these kids, they grew up, you know, they they grew up without anything and then all of a sudden they get $30 million overnight. Huh? Uh, One particular guy, I can't remember his name, he played for the Celtics I mean, $200 million came through his hand. (laughs) Did you hear that? No, 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 no. Uh, No. $200 million came through his hands, and he has nothing now. Nothing. Because he got too much too soon. Some of us need struggle first, some of us need school first. Some of us need to be qualified first before we can go to the next step. If you bump somebody too soon, they're gonna carry all the baggage, all the issues, all the stuff, and they're gonna poison, they're gonna toxin, they're gonna destroy the place God's taking them. Know this right now. Uh, Thank God for where you are right now, wherever you are right now, whether it be broke, unemployed, discouraged, uh, depressed, whatever you are, single, whatever you're complaining about, wherever you are, this is exactly where God wants you to be. Now watch this. Even if you're here right now because of decisions that you made that were against God, God can still turn your bad decisions into... no, seriously, some of you are right now, uh, nah, I put myself in this situation. So that's what you're saying like, so God can't bless me here. God, man, God knows how to reinvent your location and turn it into a wilderness. Yeah. Even if you put yourself in a sinful position, God can work, oh, y'all, can, any honest people, God will work in your sinful situation and he will repurpose it for a wilderness experience to take you where you're going. That's why the Bible says he always causes us to triumph. That's why the Bible says, and we know that all things work I praise God for that scripture. That's That's been my scripture for the past five years. And we know that all things work. All things are not good, but all things work. All things, all things. All things, all things, no matter what I'm going through, all things work, all things work. you got to speak that thing over your life right now. Tell yourself right now, all things work, all things work. They're all working for my good. All of them. Hallelujah. So, man, you know, just today, this sermon right here is just scary. So, a couple things I want to remind you of. first. The wilderness is designed to detox us from manufacturing blessings. Did you just catch that? Okay, so let me break it down for you. The reason why God puts people in the wilderness, you know what the wilderness is? It's a place of lack. It's where you don't have anything. It's where you don't have nothing. Any nothing folk in here, like some of y'all got too much. Anybody ever been in a place where you had nothing? And I tell you, he takes resources, he takes relationships, he takes all the routines, everything that you're used to having, God says, no. I got to strip you of that because you're going to start thinking that you can manufacture your own blessings. In other words, that my blessings can come from me. God puts you in the wilderness so that you can realize where your help comes from. Is that simple? Did you get it now? Is everybody you follow me now? Why does God take stuff away from me? Because he because you love that stuff more than you love him. Because God wants to show you that he's such a beast, I'm sorry. That's like uh, that was a second service phrase. Like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. like, He's so awesome. He's so amazing. Right? He's so amazing that he's like, I'm going to show you in the wilderness that I can provide fresh water. <laughs> I'm going to show you in darkness that I can provide illuminating light. I want you to know who I am, that I don't need nothing. Oh, Daryl Cole used to sing a song back in the day. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants to when he wants to, how he wants to. He doesn't need what you need. He doesn't need all the stuff. Please embrace this. Let your faith rise up today. God doesn't need stuff. God doesn't need things. I'm trying not to go here. I won't go there. Go to the next one. Next one. Here's another thing you need to get. Forward progress or movement creates discomfort. One of the things you'll study, if you read numbers, forward progress, read that, forward progress or movement creates what? Or tension and contention. Some people are saying, when we were comfortable, we didn't have all this, folks wasn't talking about us. Nobody was bothering me. I wasn't getting these emails. You know, people weren't looking at me funny. You know, but but, but the minute I try to take a step forward. One of the things you'll notice when you read the book of Numbers is, is every time this is for your study, every time in the num- in the book of Numbers, every time there was a major issue of complaining, it always happened when they started to move. As long as they were comfortable, nobody complained about anything. Matter of fact, if you want to see peace in your life, then don't go nowhere, don't do nothing, don't try to do anything. Just sit where you are, mind your own business, and just don't just don't do anything. The minute you start trying to go in the direction of God, that's when it creates tension. You start losing friends. People don't people don't understand where you're going. You start, you start ex- experiencing conflict. And so some, many of us will say, Well, God is not in this because there's so much conflict. Are you serious? Uh, look at Jesus. When Jesus came here, it was nothing but conflict around his ministry. Constant criticism. Constantly people trying to kill him. Some of us be like, Well, if there's movement, if we then, then then there'll be peace. No! Anytime you're trying to do something for God, anytime you're trying to pursue the plan of God in your life, you are going to experience nothing but conflict, nothing but agitation. You're going to be stressed. Oh, man, one of the kids said a few weeks ago at at the event here for the young adults, he says, I know it's God's purpose for my life when I can't sleep at night. Some of y'all think that purpose and where God's going, it just leaves you in relative comfort. I'm not bothered by anything. Nobody's arguing. Nobody's fighting. No way. Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring the sword. When you try to move in life, expect drama. When you try to take a step in the direction of God, do not expect people to congratulate you and to understand what you're doing. Even those closest to you. Oh, Lord. Look at Moses. Moses is trying to move forward. And I mean, who raises up on him? Now his sister. Now his brother. Stop expecting people to congratulate you when you follow through on God's plan in your life. Stop it. Stop looking for a handshake. Stop looking for a high five. Stop for looking for people to pat you on your back and say, oh, you're doing good. It doesn't happen when you're pursuing the things of God because most people don't understand what God's doing. It ain't none of their business. Are y'all here? Next one, next one, next one. Just set it up. We tend to, we tend to catastrophize. I made that up. Our discomfort. What I mean by that is, is when you're in the wilderness... We blow things out of proportion that are not even that bad. Okay, I'll say it. So, you know, Facebook is an amazing thing. So somebody came into this building. They went upstairs. They took a picture of our sign. They went to the lobby, took a picture of the other sign, where it said Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, Suite 510. They went on Facebook, they posted it, and then at the top of it, it said, my God, look how far they've fallen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly, understand, I understand the luxury, let's, let's use that word, of having your own facilities. I understand that because I understand the luxury of having your own house. And my daddy used to say when I was a kid, God bless the child whose God is. And that ain't biblical, but, I, but you get that. Some of y'all used to have to borrow people's cars and ask folks for a ride. And, and some of you had to stay with your parents until you got your stuff in order. And then when you finally got yours, come on, somebody. And then some of y'all, when you got yours, you didn't even want to share no more. You know, it's like, what happened to you? So don't get me, listen, I understand the significance and the importance of what a building does. No doubt, we're trying to build one. No doubt. No doubt. But, yo, so because we're here and not there, Oh. Look how far we've fallen. The Lord has left us now. Okay, okay. I'm not even going to go any further with that except to say this. Like, the wilderness has a tendency to create in people imaginary difficulties. You start complaining about stuff that you didn't complain about when you didn't have nothing. They complain about pomegranates. Last time I checked, you get that at Whole Foods. You get pomegranates at Trader Joe's. I went to Dave's the other day. Dave's don't have pomegranates. Y'all not hearing me. I, don't, don't, I shop at Dave's too. Understand now, Walmart, I, I, you might catch them every now and then. I, I was at uh, one of my favorite fruits. I was exposed to a long time ago. It's, it's, it's tropical, but it's star fruit. I'm sorry, you can't get star fruit like at the gas station where they have bananas. It's exclusive. You see what I'm saying? They're they're complaining that they don't have pomegranates. That's what happens when your mindset is off and you don't appreciate not having. Oh, I believe that black folk were closer to God when we didn't have nothing. And I can prove it. I can prove it. Look at the numbers now. Seventy percent of young adults don't go to church anymore. And these are the young adults that you raised. These are the young adults that went to Sabbath school. These are the young adults that went to, well, in Pathfinder. Seventy percent of them have left the church because they had more. They weren't like you when they were raised. Come on, talk to me now. They they didn't have to eat government cheese and and they didn't have to put cardboard in their shoes and they didn't have to put patches on their pants and they didn't have to wear the same thing all the time and they didn't have to go to church and they didn't have to have family worship. They didn't have to know how to pray. They didn't have to learn. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the more you get, the more you exaggerate problems. Listen, man, it was five of us in the house, five kids my two parents, not to mention we had about four other people living with us family, drug addicts, everybody else. When it was dinner time up in the Edmonds house, like, it, you might get seconds. I'm serious, it was a lot of food. I mean, it's a lot of people, but I mean, come on now, like, for real. So look, now, now, now your boy had so little, like then, now when I shop, I go crazy. I had to clean my refrigerator out the other day. It was a mess. Like, some of y'all needed to clean y'alls out too. I mean, I just had unnecessary food in there. But see, now my kids, when they look inside the refrigerator, there's food for days. But they'll say, there's nothing to eat. I'm like, you better go in there and make you an egg salad sandwich. You don't see them eggs sitting right there? You don't see that mayonnaise? Y'all not hearing me in here. You don't see them bananas? You don't see that peanut butter? You better slice them bananas, put it on that peanut butter, and make you a sandwich. Man, I'll eat peanut butter and jelly four days out of five. What's wrong with, but see, what happens is, my kids, they were raised eating out. My kids were raised on fast food. My kids were right, come on now, so that now, any small thing, they exaggerate and make it seem like, oh my God, look how far we've fallen so far. Are y'all with me? Check your attitude. Check your mindset. As long as we got Jesus, we ain't lost nothing. As long as we've got the power of prayer, we haven't lost anything. As long as my salvation is secure in his righteousness and not my own, I haven't lost a thing. Oh, y'all, not, y'all don't believe that. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Come on, let's go, let's go. Satan sleeps until we start moving. Look, the minute you decide to give your life to Jesus Christ, that's when cancer came. I'm seeing this right now. The minute you start trying to serve the Lord, that's when you lose your job. Listen, y'all, listen to me. I'm telling you what God is showing us in his word. The minute you try to make moves... The minute you try to oh, finally obey what God said, that's why, and that's why many of you, the only problems you have is bills and lights and stuff like that. Those are not real problems. I'm talking about real problems. We're my real problem folk out here. Some of y'all have been having the same bill problem for 30 years. That ain't God. That's your mismanagement of finances. I'm talking about real problems, children problems. When they show up and tell you they change their lifestyle. Y'all not hearing me here today. I'm talking about issues with, with, the, with the legal system and courts and, and getting in trouble. And I'm talking about being faced with your whole life. The whole life that you knew is getting ready to be turned upside down. Why? Because you made up your mind that I want to finally do what God said. Yes. Open your eyes. I'm just going to go here. You think that what we're trying to do, Build a school, educate kids, yes, yes. save our children, yes. unapologetically. Yes, we want older people to be saved. Yes, but I have learned that ministry of Jesus is when you minister to children, you'll reach their grandmothers. When you minister to children, you'll reach their parents. When you minister to children, you'll reach aunties and uncles. Am I talking good, Sister Father? When you minister to children... So, so yes, we're trying to do that. Yes, we're willing to give up everything we've had so that we can win somebody. Yes, we're willing. Yes. And so when you make that kind of decision that you want to pull people out of the pits of hell, don't expect Satan to sit around and say, wow, look at what they're doing. Congratulations. Satan sleeps until you start moving. When I was in Africa, they would tell a story about this lion in the lion park. I think I shared this with some of you before. And then he said, This lion, he'll just, he sits there amongst other animals and they comfortably sit with the lion. Uh-huh. Yeah. Lion looks sleep. I can tell you because I saw it in the lion park. The lions look sleep. The lions are sleep. I mean, they look dead. Seriously, I mean, these big 8-foot, 1,000-pound fa- animals. Like, how you see it on TV ain't, like, I mean, like, these creatures are huge, man. And they're white lions. They're like the, the white ones, like, and, and, like, they're just laying there. And we're in the lion park, right? We're in the lion park, and all the signs are saying, keep the windows closed. And I'm like, but they sleep. And, Mama, I'm saying they sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They sleep. I'm telling you, I mean, You're hearing these trucks, diesels, they're going through loud. People are loud, and those lions are like dead. Like two years ago, one of the producers of the show Game of Thrones, she was in that same lion park that I was in, where it said, keep your hands in and the windows up. And this woman dared to roll down her window and take a picture of sleeping lions. The minute she rolled the window down, the lion smelled her in her sleep and killed her and her husband in the car. (laughs) Lions ain't bothering nobody until you make a move. It's the same thing in your life and in the church. The minute movement happens, Satan wakes up and says, oh, I got to start some stuff. Let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. So here's the current situation. Part two, I'm going to preach next service. Part two, next service. Can't preach at all in one, what what time is it now, by the way? Hmm? Okay, yeah, so I got like, really like 10 minutes. So, here's the current situation. (laughs) What I'm I'm trying to set up for you is like, here's how Moses, Moses, the friend of God, the same cat that the Lord told his sister and them like, uh, I speak to prophets in visions and dreams but Moses I speak to face to face so keep your mouth off him matter of fact Miriam step your behind out of the camp and you stay there for seven days and enjoy your leprosy don't play with Moses he's my boy I'm talking about this guy God's bo- God called him he- Moses is a murderer he's an ex-con no he is a no he's not he's not an ex-con he's a, he's a runaway convict he's a fugitive Harrison Ford's that's a shout out Ford? right He's a fugitive, right? Tommy Lee Jones, right. He's on the run. God goes to, listen, I'm going to show you just how much God loves this dude. God goes to this murderer and says, I'm going to use you to go and set free the very people that you had to leave. So don't get it twisted here. We're not talking about an average dude. There are three luminaries in the Bible other than Jesus. Abraham, Moses, and David. Don't get it twisted. These are giants. Yes, God loves them more than you. (laughs) I'm joking but they're special. Oh, no, seriously. Understand, these guys were very special to God so that the whole Bible, other than Christ himself, is written around the metaphors and motifs of Abraham, Moses, and David. These are big shots. Don't get it twisted. So how did this guy get to a place where God says, you can't go in either? You ain't Moses. That's what I'm trying to, (laughs) let me delete You ain't Moses. God loves us, understand? Well, you ain't Moses. Uh, The the Lord didn't write half the Old Testament after you. (laughs) No, I just want y'all to humble yourself. Humble yourself right now. You ain't Moses. (laughs) You follow what I'm saying. You're not this guy, but this guy, God says, you ain't going in. Now, to make things worse, let me show you the current situation. First thing you need to understand is what kind of drove Moses off the deep end where he had a meltdown? Well, the 12 spies just got a 40-year sentence because they were literally in the promised land. Pastor Johnson talked about it last week. And God says, this is what I'm promising you. And they were like, we can't do it. So he mad. You, you, you know Moses got to feel mad about that. So it was, and watch, watch how mad he's is. He's like, okay, so because of this, you, Moses, don't have to stay with these folk and do all their funerals until they die. Number two, current situation. Korah, yeah. Dathan, and Abiram, the leaders, rise up against Moses, and 14,000 people die in one day. Like, this stuff doesn't just happen, it doesn't bother you. I'm just trying to show you, this is, Moses is frustrated, man. He's, his whole life has been, I'm trying to get these people there, And he's burying folk. Folks are raising up on him. Family. His main leaders have come and attacked him. And said, we're going to choose somebody else. Peshach and prophet says they actually voted. I don't know who this idiot was. But they actually voted somebody else to take Moses' place. It was probably Korah. You a fool, man. No, you're dumb. You're very, no, you're stupid. Do you not see that God talks to Moses face to face? And you're going to name yourself as the new leader to take them back to Egypt? <laughs> oh, you playing with fire. <laughs> Number three. Now, watch this. Now, this is just a rough estimate. You have to come to the second service to hear this part, okay? It's a rough estimate. But there are like 3 million to 4 million Israelites. Moses is leading 3, 4 million. I'm tripping because I'm leading like 2, three hundred. <laughs> like chill dude like really two three mil. okay so watch this so when God gives the sentence God gives the sentence that watch this that all the older generation the parents those who saw the Red Sea all y'all gotta die and we'll wait 40 years for it to happen okay now watch this consider if you just do math that that's like that's a bunch of funerals every day for 40 years that hold on, that's not just funerals, that's funerals and deaths, so watch this, Moses is in a funeral, burying, he probably got to bury a whole family because there's no way he could do all this in a day you know what I'm saying, people are dying left and right think of this, there's death every day, all around around. and Moses is going from one funeral to another and then he gets word as he's going to another funeral that somebody else has died that's got a way on you man Way on you for 40 years. Go on, go on. Number four, number four. Then Miriam dies. <laughs> now, as much hell as Miriam has given her brother, it's, it's still, still his good. sister. Amen. Are you are you seeing the frustration that this that this brother is having, man? man? His sister dies. I'm just I'm just setting it up so you can see just why anybody would blow their top the way Moses did. Okay. <laughs> Next one, number four, number five. Now. In Numbers 20, when Moses strikes the rock, I didn't know this until yesterday, the 40-year sentence is up and the new generation is getting ready to go in. So understand this. So like when you're reading Numbers like it skips like 38 years. And next thing you know, you see Moses and the children of Israel complaining, but follow, follow me now, this is a crucial point that you cannot miss. The people complaining in Numbers 20 are not the same people that complained at when the 12 spies bought the negative report. They've all died. This is a totally new generation. So, 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 so feel Moses on this. He's 120 dealing with kids. There's a difference between the complaining of adults and the complaining of children. Can I get somebody to talk back to me in here? Has anybody ever taken a road trip with, with, with dumb crumb snatchers? Where are we going? Are we there yet? I'm hungry. And, and listen, it, with, my, with my kids, it was like clockwork. Hey, you guys go to the bathroom before we leave. Yes. Yes. Go to the bathroom yes. before we leave. All right, we, we're going to use the bathroom. As soon as we get in the car, like just when you get into the rhythm of traveling, yes, gas, is, the tank is filled, yeah. you don't have to stop for 300 miles. <laughs> and then you get to a place where there's absolutely nothing there's like, it's those signs, you see, a hundred miles until next rest stop. Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. You just went to the bathroom. No, I'm sorry. Uh, adults complaining is one thing, but kids complain another thing. But here's the other thing that really bothered Moses. He's having to now deal with generational foolishness. His, these kids, just like their parents, I gonna stay right here. This is why I don't understand this whole generational disregard that we have for each other. Like we're old people against young people, and I especially the older people against the younger people. Where did these kids come from? No, I'm serious. All the stuff that the younger generation is doing right now, you didn't have nothing to do with that? No, I'm, come on, saints. I'm not, this is not a come-down moment. This is a reality check moment. The way that our children are, The way that they are, are you telling me, I I mean, y'all didn't raise these kids? And don't sit up here and say this, well, well, my kids ain't like that. (laughs) These kids so disrespectful. You're not? No, seriously. It is impossible for an apple tree to produce an orange. See, yours was just different. You made yours a little more religious. But they heard you talking about the pastor at the dinner table. They heard you talk about sister so-and-so's broken marriage at the table. So no, they don't have re- respect. Y'all want them to come to the church that y'all talked about for 30 years? Come on, come on. Now help me out now. Help me out. I'm willing to own this thing. Whatever my children become, I own it. I raised these kids. They got me all up inside of them. And Moses is losing it now. He's like like boiling over now because he's having to deal with generational foolishness. These kids are complaining just like their parents were, except now they got an iPod, iPad, complaining about them. We don't got no pomegranates. Come here, boy. Pomegranates. I was out here with these kids, with your parents, where we didn't have food or water. Pomegranate. Bring your little behind over here so I can beat you down with this chair. (laughs) Do you understand what Moses is feeling? Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. And then, and so then, they catastrophize not having water. Moses is like oh, oh, oh no here we go again did you not remember your parents telling you stories of how I literally brought water God brought water from a rock yeah. do you know that the whole time we've been in here the scripture says in Habakkuk that our shahagi rather that our shoes never got holes in them yeah. and our clothes never wore out yeah. Do you not realize that we had steady flow of water and a steady raining down of manna for these 40 years? Are you tripping on water? What is wrong with y'all? You're just like your parents. So Moses, you got some anger management issues. Now, I'm going to end here, but I just want to, I, I got to finish this in the next service. But <laughs> I just want you to get a taste. You know, the Bible says Moses was the meekest man that ever lived. Equally, he had a major anger problem. One of the things I've noticed is, is oftentimes our greatest strength is also coupled by an equal weakness. Oh, anointed people have problems. Oh. The more talent you have, the more issues you've had to work through. Oh, Lord Jesus, you better receive this thing right now. Know what I'm talking about. We often wonder, we look at Michael Jackson, we look at all these people, we see their lives. That's because with talent, with gifting come struggle. Paul, who was the greatest apostle that ever lived, said of himself, he said, I asked God, take this thing from me three times and he wouldn't take it. He said, I got a thorn in my flesh. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? I don't care how good you are at what you do, you also got something to keep you humble. I don't care how anointed you are at what you do, you also have something that keeps you on your face at night. Come on in here, somebody. Sometimes we look up at people that have money and wealth and fame and good health, but you don't know the other struggles that they have to deal with. You don't know the other things that keep them up at night. You should never be envious of somebody because of what they have because you don't walk in their shoes and know what they got to fight with every day. Watch this. Let me show you. Moses was meek this dude. (laughs) I'm just, it was only God that kept him for 40 years (laughs) with these anger issues. Okay, first example. Moses demonstrated murderous anger. Y'all remember the story? Now, there's a bunch of ways he could have fixed this. (laughs) Moses sees a guy, a slave master, this is what slave masters do, kind of going too hard on one of the Israelites. Moses in my mind goes to break it up. But it didn't really happen like that. Like Moses could have fought him. Beat him up real good. Moses killed him. No, look, no, understand understand how you have to literally lose yourself. You're in Egypt. You're not even considering consequences. Anybody with anger problems knows what I'm talking about. Sometimes you get to a point where of no return. You're not thinking of consequences. Come on, y'all. Now look, I, I don't think. I don't, I don't know if O.J. I, I, I'm just saying I don't know if he did it himself. But uh, there's a after watching this program that's been out about O.J. Oh, we got away with one day. <laughs> I say we because you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like you know, we as a people we got we got away with. OJ was beating up his wife on a regular basis. On a regular basis. He had a major temper problem. I don't know, I'm not a judge and jury, but it stands the reason that it's possible if you beat up your wife on other stuff that you got the potential to kill her. Moses Wasn't a walk away kind of guy. Moses killed an Egyptian. You're not thinking of consequences. So bad that he had to run. Number two, let me show you that one. Gets worse. Moses had unnecessary anger with Pharaoh. Watch this. Let me show you. Watch this. Now, God had already told Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Think, Think about this. He says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's going to be real stubborn, but in the end, I'm going to turn this whole thing. God literally just told him everything that was going to happen. Every time, every time he told him, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. So for real, like why would you be unnecessarily be getting angry when you know what's about to happen? Do, do you follow what I'm saying? Like if I told you, if I told you what was going to happen, and not just what's going to happen, but then it's actually going to work out, then why are you like it? So watch this he says I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and so watch this, Moses went out from Pharaoh when he got stubborn in hot anger (laughs) 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 listen, brother said we're dealing with a person who has an anger problem he knows God's going to work it out and the Bible says he leaves hot after God just told him, no, no, no Moses, okay, I can see God like kind of trying to talk him down as he, Moses just like (sighs) God's like, no, Moses like chill, I just told you That's what I was going to do, and then like (laughs) everything's gonna work out, Moses. But see, when you when you got anger issues like that, like you're not reason does not matter. Go go on, go to the next one. Number three, Moses had destructive anger with the golden calf. Okay, so I know we really like try to spiritualize this, but let's look at this for what it is. Now I understand him being angry. He's up there trying to help them with God. And they're down on the bottom, like going buck wild. Yeah. He comes down. He's like, he gets mad. He dro- He throws. He doesn't drop. That's what we've been saying. He throws the Ten Commandments down, right? And no, now I get that. I get that. that. That's. Has anybody ever hit a wall? I'm understand. say, Have you ever cussed? No, come on. No. Okay, the hands start getting... No, seriously. I want you to be honest. Has anybody, as a Christian, ever gotten so mad that... I won't say cuss because then you'd be really afraid to admit that. You said something that you regretted. Okay, now has anybody ever thought something really murderous? Do you not understand Moses taking the tablets and throwing them when he saw what he saw? Do you get that? Okay, now this is where we get psychosis, though. He throws down the commandments. This is, now, it takes, you have to sustain your anger. Like for me, like I'm angry, but after a while it wears off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like with my wife. Like, you know, I'll be real mad at my wife. And then she'll like move in a certain kind of way. And it looks really good to me. <laughs> and then I, I just begin to forget that I was mad at her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I have to be I'm not o, I'm not OJ for sure. Yes, i have to I have to have sustained. You have to like so watch with Moses. Moses throws them down, all right? And then this is psychosis, saints. This is not normal. He then takes the golden calf. He grind, he grinds it. He grinds it to powder. How long does that take? <laughs> Days. He to the Bible says to powder then, like, 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 you know, like powdered lemonade or Kool-Aid, he makes a drink out of it—a a golden calf cocktail—and then he commands all the people to drink it. Now, to show you that God was not pleased with that, when Moses goes back up, this time God says, "Now you inscribe." The second time, Lord said, no, I I did it once. Now you go in there and get you some rocks, since you had all that time and that energy to to make a cocktail out of it. Now you go ahead and you do that. You see how we've been spiritualizing this stuff, making it look like it was okay? Moses did it to reveal the power. of. No, he didn't. (laughs) Moses was hot, white, hot mad. Go on. So watch this. Go, no, keep going, keep going, because I read that already. Go, keep going, keep going, keep going. So, uh, so then, and this is what we're we'll talking about in the next verse. So then, so then he had rebellious anger. So I'm just going to end here. So all of that is going on. His sister just died. Man, have some respect. The man's sister died. The man's been burying people for forty years. The man had to stay for forty years and watch all these folk die he's a little upset. You ever see somebody when they're mad and you just got to back off? I learned that in marriage. Sometimes I would want to talk with my wife about it. I've learned. I know she ain't never put her hands on me, but I'm telling you this. The way she looked at me was equal to. Sometimes, Listen, there's some folks you got to learn. You better leave them alone. Walk away. Stop. Keep your mouth shut. Moses now, think about this. For 80 years of his life, he been dealing with foolishness his sister dies and they come up to him right after the funeral hey moses ain't no water out here ain't no pomegranates ain't no orders no chafing dishes we don't got no fellowship hall you got us out here in this club moses Oh, you know what? I, I wish we were dead. It would have been better for us to have died with our parents. Because this is a mess. Why you got us out here? You ever watch the Hulk? <laughs> Moses is now practicing things he learned in anger management. One, two. Three, four, five. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Six. Father, I worship you right now. You told me to worship. I glorify you. Thank you, Lord. I want to kill him, but I thank you. Oh, Jesus, bless your name. Whew. The Bible says Moses falls on his face with Aaron. He's doing the right thing, right? He so, said, Lord, these folk tripping again, just like they crazy parents. They ain't learned nothing. Lord, what you want me to do? God gives him instructions. God gives him instructions. Now, here's the thing this is what I want to talk about next service. Moses doesn't like the instructions. See, in past times, God did some different stuff to basically show the people how evil they were. He killed some folk, he'll send fire. He's been, been killing folks since they left Sinai. I think Moses is kind of expecting God to agree with him and judge them. And watch what God tells him. He says, okay, Moses. And I, this is what Moses is thinking. says, oh the Lord, this this is, and we're in year 40 now? We're about to go in. He's gonna get them. <laughs> He's gonna get them. The Lord knows my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gonna do it, and this is what the Lord says. The Lord says, "Um, okay, listen. To what we'll do: take the staff, get your brother, gather all the people. Mm-hmm, okay, I, mean, I like that. Um, and um, speak to the rock, and then water's gonna come out. Now, I'll get into all them details later. But here's here's basically what Moses heard." these hellions have been driving me crazy and you for the past 40 years. Now their kids are inventing new ways to do it. And your solution is to bless them. I don't like your plan. I don't like it. They deserve death. Mm. They deserve a tongue lashing at least. Mm. They deserve a whooping. They deserve a hardcore, uh, what's that word, brow beating, fire and brimstone sermon. They don't need all this grace. They don't need you to give them what they asked for. No, Lord, this ain't the time for the gospel. This ain't the time to teach them lessons about faith. This is a t- this generation, what this generation needs is an old-fashioned, can you hear them? Old-fashioned. <laughs> what they need is what I got when I came into this thing. Yeah. We'll deal with the next part in the second service. I'm telling you, this is so serious that I have to preach in two, two services. Father in heaven. There's some frustrated people in this room right now, including me. And if we're not careful our flesh will rise up at the wrong time and everything that we've hoped for everything we've dreamed for everything we've planned for we could lose in a moment if we step in our flesh instead of operating in faith. I'm praying right now that you will give us the character of Christ. I'm praying that you will take away the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. I'm praying that you will remove old covenant ways from us of legalism, judgmentalism, works and help us to realize that in this season, the cantankerous, the rebellious, the hurting, the disrespectful, they need a message of grace. They need to know what it means to speak. They need to know not the rod, but they need to know to speak. They need to know not judgment, but they need to know justify. Moses messed up that picture you would not even let him go into the promised land Lord we are standing at the brink of the end of time and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ we are literally in the wilderness and there's a new generation of people that have that have come up oh God and they need to know to speak to declare to trust to know that God is gracious and compassionate and long-suffering, slow to anger. Oh, God. Shift the atmosphere in here. Shift it in our hearts. Help us to know that love wins every time. Help us to know that grace is greater than sin. That the gospel is the power of of God unto salvation. If the old way, if the old way kept the previous generation out, why do we believe that the old way will work for the new generation? On, oh, Lord. Heavenly Father, grace, we're sin about grace, grace, grace. grace. Grace, 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 hallelujah, grace, much more abounds. Does anybody today need a heart of flesh? Do you need to be melted by the love of Christ? Do you feel Moses and you're angry and you're frustrated about some folks and some things and some situations and and you ain't right in your mind and you need the Lord to give you his mind? You need the new covenant in your life where he puts his spirit in you and causes you to have his love in your heart. If that's you today, would you stand right now? The Lord...